It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And I'd love to be saying as usual, and I get this every time. Every time I come on with a stellar de- guest, I get a little bit selfish and I want to have them on every single week. But that's not the case because this man here is extremely busy. He's one of the busiest beat writers on the beat following the Packers and his content is second to none. It's Michael Cohen from TheAthletic.com and the P60 podcast. I never miss an episode, Michael, uh, so I feel like I know you already, which is slightly stalkerish, but let's start with this. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and I guess that makes you and my man the only two that listen to every single episode, so that's pretty <laughs> great. Thank you. Well, we've heard that. Well, I'm just going to contradict you there now. Our UK and Irish fans were in contact when they saw us because that's the thing. There's never any privacy anymore. You know, I feel like I'm living in a glass house. So when we reached out to you on Twitter, an awful lot of people who follow you and follow us, they can see our private conversation almost as much as the FBI, Michael, to be fair. Um, so when they saw us reaching out to you, I think they all started. There was a bit of a buzz and they got a bit excited. It's quite popular. But before we delve into some fantastic, obviously unrivaled Packers analysis here, because this is the 10 minute takedown where we're going to look at this upcoming Dolphins game which is our annual trip and we're going to be over there so you'll probably see us milling around Green Bay can you give us a little bit of background to yourself Michael sort of how you uh, became a journalist who you worked for before how you ended up in the athletic and just sort of how regular your content pieces are where they can find them and also the same with the podcast then how regular is that um, and how long you've been doing that as well yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, born and raised in Connecticut, which is a state, you know, about in right next to shares a border with New York. So I, I grew up about two hours from New York City and about an hour and 45 minutes from Boston. And I just love sports my whole life. Uh, I was a soccer player or uh, football, as you guys would call it across the <laughs> pond, and then basketball as well. And so soccer was always my favorite sport growing up. That's what I was best at. I was actually just over in London during the bye week and then my buddy and I went up to Manchester and we caught Manchester City against Burnley at the Etihad Stadium so nice. that was a blast just a couple of weeks ago um, but basically you know the the reason I mentioned my love for sports is that when I got to the point where I realized I wasn't going to be Michael Jordan or I wasn't going to be Cristiano Ronaldo or somebody like that I wanted to find a way to stay involved with what was my biggest passion and so that's when journalism came into play and I went to journalism school at Syracuse University and studied there. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a broadcaster or if I wanted to be a writer. And ultimately, I decided that I enjoyed the writing side of it more. And then I bounced around to different jobs as you know, you kind of have to do going wherever the teams are and wherever the openings are. So I worked for a little while in Syracuse covering college football. And then I went down to Memphis and I covered the NBA and college basketball. And then I moved up to Green Bay in the summer of 2015 and i did three seasons for the milwaukee journal sentinel which is the biggest newspaper in wisconsin and then just this past summer in uh, i believe it was either june or july i switched over to the athletic and and as you mentioned my stuff is available on the athletic.com there's all kinds of stuff throughout the week i usually do a post-game column and then i do a film breakdown and then i do one midweek podcast uh, usually one other story leading up to the game and then I have a, a podcast after the game as well. So about three to four stories a week, two podcasts a week. And uh, I really appreciate you and uh, anybody else on the other side of the pond that, that gives me a chance and, and checks out what I'm doing. 
So I have to admit, I'm a regular listener to the podcast and I'm signed up to The Athletic. You have me hooked, right? Uh, your last piece was analysing 10 things that uh, uh, from the Packers lost to the Patriots. And I'll just say to everybody out there, it is a subscription service, uh, but there's always sort of deals. You know, you sign up for your free trial and then you get 61% off. So as you say in your podcast, it's a couple of quid a month. I mean, I spend at least 700 euro each weekend in Starbucks. So I think it's definitely worth the money um, <laughs> for one. So uh, that, that piece that you have, because your stuff always strikes me, uh, Michael, and not to be too gushing because I think people will turn it off, but um, it's really well written. And again, you, you pay very close attention to what's going on in the field what goes on behind and like you say in your podcast you reach out to different people like ex-coaches you know people who've played with players who are sort of hitting the headlines haha clinton dix for instance and going behind and getting players perspective on him but before we get sidetracked and before i get everybody signed up to the to the michael cohen uh, fan club let's delve into the miami dolphins this sure. is a very deceptive team they're they're five and four they're technically in the playoff hunt if you look at the numbers wise but looking at their, their wins michael or as we'd call you in in, Ir- in ireland mick uh tennessee season opener who knows what team you had here ryan Tannehill was at the helm they win that game tennessee you know were kind of a hot and cold team that kind of seem to be fine in form now uh two of those five wins are against the jets uh with a real stinker last week which was a 13-6 game so apologies to anybody who had to sit through that game They've beaten the Oakland Raiders. We know where they're at. And then there was a stellar game in Chicago, which was arguably Osweiler's best game. What Dolphins team do you think we're going to get in Lambeau this weekend? Is it the dangerous team that played Chicago, or is this a fair-weather team who really, on all facets of the game, there's a lot lacking there? Well, I'll throw a couple of different ideas out there. I think, you know, first, it's always difficult for a team from the South to come up to Lambeau Field when it's cold. And now, granted, this isn't a game that's being played around Christmas time um, or anything like that. But the temperatures this weekend could be, you know, in, in the low 30s. And that's obviously a big change from the 80s that they experienced in Miami. So that's always a factor. And then I'd like to, to point out that, you know, one of the trends that we've seen from Mike Pettin's defense so far this season is that they tend to play really, really well against either inexperienced or, you know, mediocre quarterbacks because of the way the defense is designed, it confuses players that aren't at an elite level and can't process things the way an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady can do so. And so when we, when we saw them play, you know, the 49ers, when we saw them play um, the Buffalo Bills, when we saw them play, you know, teams like that that have young quarterbacks, inexperienced quarterbacks, you saw the pressures from Mike Pettin do what they need to do at critical junctures of the game. So what I'm expecting from this Dolphins team is, is a team that has a good defense. They have some playmakers. They've taken the ball away a number of times this season. Their safeties in particular are very, very good players. But I think that at the end of the day, Tannehill's not out there. It's going to be Osweiler again this week. And I just don't think that he has the the sort of football intellect to be able to battle a Mike Pettin defense with the pressures that he's going to bring um, and do so successfully. So ultimately, I think this will be a week where the Dolphins look more like they did against the better teams and not like they did against the bottom of the league, as you mentioned, the big discrepancy there. And is there sort of is there a risk that this game is either going to be a, a sort of a blowout on the Packers side or closer than we expect? Because just like what you said, when we look at the 49ers game, I expected that to be more of a rout. But then, of course, we've seen what happened there. Was that a case of Mike Pettin, you know, trying to be multiple, trying to bring different looks and then ultimately getting smoked for being too aggressive? Could we could we potentially see that in this game as well? Or is that synopsis not correct? 
Well, I think it's always a possibility. You know, one of the things that has been a problem with the Packers, honestly, dating back a couple of seasons, not just this year, is that for whatever reason, nobody seems to know how this team is going to start a game. Mm-hmm. There have been games where they've come out like absolutely like their hair's on fire and they just look aggressive and they look tenacious and, and they're doing all kinds of things to make you think that they were hyped up and ready to play. And then there's other weeks where they come out kind of lethargic and they get punched in the mouth and they maybe struggle to react to the opposing offensive coordinator or opposing coaches play script. You know, we saw what happened in the season opener against the bears when, you know, the brilliant script there by Nagy generates a touchdown on the opening drive. And then we saw in Washington, some of the scripts that they had from Gruden that just really changed, you know, the whole tenor of the game with a couple of early touchdowns for Washington. And, and I remember asking, I think it was Kevin King, cornerback for the Packers. I asked him, I said, what is the deal with like these inconsistent starts? Why is it some weeks that, you know, you guys tend to come out really, really hot and other weeks, it seems like you're back on your heels. And he kind of said, nobody really knows how we're ever going to start a game. And honestly, I think that while he was telling the truth, that's not necessarily what you want to hear. You don't want to hear that there's inconsistencies. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, is this a game where the Packers could get knocked back or a game where they could come out really, really forcefully? I don't know. And I think it's because the Packers don't know either. It's one of the things that they can't seem to figure out about themselves is why are there such big differences in their energy levels from week to week. And I guess there, there's two real facets in this game is is that, you know, I think the, this team goes as Aaron goes. So when Aaron's on fire, obviously he's a world beater. He can do anything as long as Ty Montgomery, uh, you know, doesn't do stuff like fumble the ball away and effectively fumble his career away out of Green Bay with him seeing him move on. And you highlight in your second point in your most recent article that the quarterback... Uh, you know, is is completing fifty six percent of his passes against the Patriots. He's on the same sort of you know sub sixty percent level, which is the worst in his career. You know what's going on with this offense here, and why do you think it is that Aaron isn't clicking? Because we see an awful lot of heat being sort of landed at the feet of Mike McCarthy. Is it a McCarthy play calling issue? Is it that Aaron's off, and is that because of the leg? I mean, can we decipher exactly what is going on here? I think it's one of those situations where there's probably a couple of different things that have all come together to influence Rogers play. One of them I think is simply that he's older. And when I went back, you know, prior to this past Patriots game, I watched the most recent matchup with the Patriots from 2014. And if you watch the way Aaron moved just four years ago and compare it to the way he moves now, and yes, I know he has an injured knee that he's been battling, but even with that, the movement is not the same. And, you know, he's just not quite the same athlete that he was four years ago, in my opinion. And is that a flaw? Is that a bad thing for Aaron Rodgers? No, it's nothing that he can necessarily control. Age catches up to everyone. And as we've seen with Tom Brady, you can find ways to be extremely successful in the pocket, even if your mobility starts to, to decrease. And of course, Brady had far less mobility than Rodgers did to begin with. So I think age is certainly a part of it. The part that I don't really understand is why he's missing certain throws that he normally makes. You know, he he is the master at putting the ball in unbelievably tight windows, but the percentage of time that he's been able to do that this season is less than it was in past seasons. It doesn't mean that he's still not making tremendous throws. One of the passes that he had to Valdez Scantling against the Patriots that resulted in a fingertip catch behind a defender, I mean, that is an unbelievable throw from Rodgers. So it's not to suggest that everything he's doing is worse than it used to be. But what I'm saying is that the misses are cropping up at a higher percentage 
than they used to. And I really don't know what it is, but you know, he, he sort of said today that some of the dysfunction had to do with receivers not getting open and that he's having to hold the ball and then throw it away. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I'm sure that's been the situation at times, but there's also been plenty of opportunities for him to make throws and he either hasn't pulled the trigger to a guy that was open because he's searching downfield for something bigger or when he's had opportunities to go down the field, you know, he's he's missed key opportunities to rack up big yardage or or lead his receivers properly so that they can have yards after catch. And so I'm not really sure exactly what is going on there, but the bottom line is that there's all kinds of factors that have played into what is now um, trending toward a subpar season for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I think a subpar season for the Packers again, which is kind of alarming since, you know, we see all this narrative about Mike McCarthy being in the hot seat and you'd have to imagine with the amount of, you know, coaching reshuffles that he's done that he would be on the hot seat. Now, I'm highly conscious that you're an incredibly busy man. Um, I've been chin-wagging you now for, um, you know, the best part of, of 10 minutes probably now. If you were to pick out maybe three keys to look out for in this game, where this game will hinge, be it, you know, rookie wide receivers, be it pressure on the likes of Byron Bell, which is forcing Aaron Rodgers to flush out and not get in the production that we think he's going to get, will the defense, you know, bring it to Osweiler? What type of stuff would you point out if you were to pick out three keys to really look out for in this upcoming game okay well the first thing that i'd be interested in is whether or not nick perry can bounce back from a really really poor game against the patriots now clay matthews has been the more consistent of their two edge rushers and even he has has not produced probably the way that the packers had hoped but perry in particular he had a really good series on the goal line stand in which he used his strength and his brute force to you know, stop the Patriots or contribute to stopping the Patriots on a number of snaps. But when it came to pure pass rushing, he really had no answer for Trent Brown. He tried speed rushes. He tried power rushes. He tried bull rushes. He tried swim moves, and none of it worked. And so I'd like to see if Perry can bounce back and whether or not he can give anything to the offense from that edge position. Another thing that I'm curious about is is whether the guards for the Packers can hold up along the offensive line. You know, very rarely will you hear an opposing coach be honest and criticize another team's players at a certain position. It's just not really what goes on very often. But Bill Belichick was mic'd up. He wore a microphone for the game on Sunday, and there was a, a clip that circulated on Twitter you know, earlier this week where Belichick was heard talking to his defensive lineman. And he basically said, you know, let's continue to, you know, I'm going to clean it up a little bit, but let's continue to, you know, really go after and beat their guards inside. And that to me tells you what opposing coaches think of these Packers interior linemen. And and like I said, in that analysis piece that you referenced, if it wasn't for Corey Lindsley, who has had a terrific season, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think the interior of this line would be a real mess. So I'd like to see if Lane Taylor and Byron Bell can rebound a little bit after a very poor performance against the Patriots, and and they also struggled against the Rams the week prior. And then the third thing that I'd like to see is can Marquez Valdez-Scantling continue to produce at a very high level for a rookie receiver? One of the things that rookie receivers don't often do for the Packers is play consistently all season long and continue to make strides to the point where they essentially become starting caliber players. You, you look back at the list, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, you know, none of those guys were extremely impactful players as rookies. It's just a difficult position to really contribute well in your first season. But so far, Valdez Scantling, I think, has drastically exceeded expectations. And he seems so steady and so confident. And he seems to be growing each week that 
I think the more he can do this week to week to week, the more you have to start to realize that, okay, yeah, he's a rookie, but he's just a pretty darn good player. And I Mm -hmm. think we're starting to trend in that direction with him. So if he can put together yet another strong performance, I think it's getting to the point where you don't even have to call him a rookie anymore. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, I think it sometimes with these wide receivers, with Aaron Rodgers, with his sort of lack of trust, I think it takes an injury for these guys to have to be put in. I think we saw that with Geronimo Allison when he came in for the first time. You know, we saw some streaky play, but some good play also. But when Aaron had to throw to him because he had no other option, I think that sort of would build a relationship there. But look, the, the analysis is unrivaled. I, I really honestly would hand on heart. And again, we're not sponsored to say this. I pay like everybody else. If you pop onto theathletic.com, uh, there's some fantastic coverage there. And of course, get onto iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, and get onto the P60 podcast. It's an absolute must. Michael, you've been so gracious with your time. Um, and I can't thank you enough. And I guess hopefully we'll bump into you over in Green Bay. And if you reporters ever get out and away from the computers from writing articles and you can manage a pint, there's a, there'll be a free one at the bar for you with the UK Packers. All right, that sounds good. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you, and uh, hopefully you guys travel safe and enjoy your weekend here in Wisconsin.